Hello and welcome to West Tigers podcast, episode number 41. Just Eddie Otto with you today. Of course, Joel still on his honeymoon over in Italy. Uh, it's game day. We're going to be playing Parramatta later today at Bankwest Stadium. I'm going to firstly talk about uh, Benji Marshall, his 300th game. Very special occasion for himself and the club and the fans out there today. Uh, of course, previewing this game against Parramatta, crucial game in the context of the table, and just recapping uh, what was Origin 3, the decider, and some of the results so far in NRL Round 17. Let's start off with Benji Marshall, his 300th game. I think uh, many Tigers fans early in his career would have thought it'd be long odds to get to that uh, mark. I think he had 56 games by the time he'd already had five shoulder surgeries. So it shows you not only people talk about his precocious talent, but you know his mental toughness and his resolve to get through that period where um, you know he was out missing half the seasons regularly, and uh, you know confidence shattered. He got big back rolls and stuff running at you time and time again. And uh, his last ten years, he hasn't missed much football after that run. I think it was between about two thousand four and two thousand nine where he missed a lot of football. Um, he's also had to overcome a lot of um, you know peaks and troughs in, his, in terms of form in his career. That rugby union was a a bit of a disaster, not only the way he sort of handled it at the start, I think he would have regretted that, plus um, obviously didn't wasn't a factor in rugby union, and then having to come back a little bit with his tail between his legs, uh, played for the Dragons, and then go to the Broncos to play reserve grade on small money, and then ultimately come back to the Tigers, and I think that's um, been a credit the way he's come back as a, t- a totally different player, because you know in 2012-13, he was at a stage where he was, he was still trying to play that flamboyant style of football, but he put on a little bit of weight, uh, didn't look like he's capable of reining in a little bit of ego and playing differently, but now he's a leader, uh, he plays a totally different style of football, he tries to control the game, I think given the fact he's 34 going on 35, it's a credit to the way he's uh, looked after himself that, um, you know, and humbled, been humbled by what's happened, the way he's come back to the club, I think he's provided excellent value for money the past couple of years, not only with his play on the field, but uh, the aura he carries around the club, and the young guys obviously look up to him. Uh, and, you know, we've had milestones this weekend. Cameron Smith's 400 game. Obviously, he's going to be an immortal, but, you know, Benji may not be an immortal, but there'd be probably no uh, no more player in this era that's that's brought more, more fans through the gate or attracted more fans to rugby league. I don't know if you'll ever see a player like Benji again in terms of the way he played football. If you go back and look on YouTube at some of those highlights, there's no way a coach would allow a player to play like that um, these days where you're, you're making steps, running across the field, running backwards, uh, throwing flick passes, throwing no-look cutout passes. And obviously there were times where it had Tigers fans' hands in their heads, but uh, it was a, a special time in terms of the amount of people that were attracted to, that wanted to be like Benji Marshall and the amount of kids, and it brought through a generation of fans. And that's something that um, when you look back at someone's legacy, you even though you've got your, your Smiths and your Thurstons and all these more structured players and perhaps more consistent and better players, but no one was more entertaining, and I haven't seen a more entertaining player since, since someone like, since Benji Marshall. So um, in terms of my favourite moments with him, obviously that 2005 season was remarkable. Uh, the three tries he, he set up or scored, that Sharks try he set up was, was one of the best tries you'll ever see in the NRL. I was out there at Shark Park that day. Uh, beat not nearly half the side and, and put uh, Pat Richards in the clear with a no-look cutout pass. The try he scored against the Dragons, I've never seen a bigger uh, explosion in terms of the reaction of a crowd. I was at Allianz for that preliminary final and in the first two minutes off a scrum base uh, move, they went 
out to Marshall, who sort of dummied and went straight through untouched, and uh, the, the crowd lit up then, and there was all the rumours during the week that it was going to be a St George Illawarra crowd, and you know it felt like a West Tigers crowd right from that moment. Benji set the game on fire in the first two minutes, and, and then that grand final flick pass try where um, you forget early in his career, Tim Sheen's tried to you know make the most of his uh, speed. He often put him back on the wing, maybe to look after his shoulders, and he was back there for a kick return. Uh, broke open the field and then and the flick pass on the inside to Pat Richards. I think his peak form was was obviously then plus probably that period between you know 2009 and 2011. Uh, he led the side to a couple of top four finishes. He won the Golden Boot. He won a World Cup, and he was within one point I think of, of winning another premiership for the club. That 13-12 loss to St George Illawarra in the preliminary final was a very very tight game. I think we would have beaten the Roosters in the grand final. It wasn't to be. Um, but the, but my, you know, this is not an individual favourite memory, but uh, the way I'll remember him best now is the way he's come back to the club as an older player on less money, as a leader, still playing good football, uh, being humbled, all those things I mentioned before. I think that a lot of Tigers fans will be out there today. It'll be a special occasion. Looking at the game, it's a huge game in the context of our season. Obviously, we're sitting now in 10th place, but it's a very congested ladder. Uh, Newcastle are in sixth place, and they're eight and eight. And if we win today, we're eight and eight, which would make us equal sixth. So, I'm looking at the draw the next few weeks, and all the teams around us we play. So we've got Parramatta today, who are one game ahead of us. Uh, we play Newcastle twice in the next six weeks, who are half a game ahead of us. We play Cronulla at the end of the season, who are one game behind us, and we play Canberra, who I think are one and a half games ahead. So it's all in the Tigers' hands. It's there for them this year. It's, it, like I mentioned before, it's not like 2018 last year where teams have broken away and we've got to go on a, you know, win 14 games to get in the eight. You know, 12 wins will be enough to come eight this year. So that means we'd have to win five of our next nine games, five of our last nine games, maybe six. And um, whilst the draw looks tough on paper, it's against sides that are around us on the ladder, which probably isn't a bad thing because we often play to... The, the level of our position, and uh, Parramatta today. If we were to lose that game and drop two games behind Parramatta with the draw to come, Newcastle and Canberra, both tricky games away, I think it'll be a, a tough road back. But if we get this win, I think we go into the eight ahead of Penrith on differential. And, um, you know, that's where we want to stay for the next eight weeks. Uh, looking at the Parramatta game itself, obviously it was an embarrassment uh, earlier this year. Uh, it was a you know a combination of factors, the opening of the new ground, uh, Parramatta hit us really hard early, uh, ambushed us in the forwards, and we just weren't there that day. We were completely blown away. And this is a chance for revenge. And I think Michael Maguire is the sort of coach, he would have been simmering with that performance that day, and the players would have been embarrassed. And you get a chance now to go back to the same stadium against the same team a couple of months later and, and try and do the opposite to them. Now, I'm not going to say we're going to try and put 50 on them, but we need to start this game fast. We need to dominate in the forwards. And uh, looking at the lineup, you know, Parramatta, they aren't a superstar team, but they're a little bit like the West Tigers. They, they play, they run hard, that they've worked as a team this year. They, they're inconsistent. They can be hot and cold. Um, I'm looking at a few West Tigers players to step up today. I think Robbie Farrow's been quiet the last month. I think he needs to take control around the ruck. Uh, and some of those outside backs, they're going to be they're going to be up against it. You've got Sebo and Ferguson, who are big, big units out wide that are fast, that will be good. Uh, running back, we got we got to get up with our line speed and our chase and, and cut their time down. Robert Jennings and Moses Zumbai are two players I think need big games. who have been quiet this year. 
Uh, be interesting to see the battle between Corey Thompson and Gutherson at the back. Of course, Gutherson and Moses both had blinders last time they played us. That was off the back of Parramatta just smashing us in the forwards and getting a great roll on. Uh, so the likes of Twal and Alawai, they're going to be starting in the front row and they need to lay the platform today. I think the game will be decided sort of in the forward pack because I look at both these sides and I think they're fairly similar on talent. Uh, they play hard most weeks. And I think it'll be the team with the most motivation. And obviously, the, if it comes down to the crunch, you know, that's where the halves might get into it. You've got Moses against Marshall and Brooks and Dylan Brown, who can take control in that last 15 or 20 minutes, because I think it's going to be a fairly close game today. Now, interesting, it's a home game. Uh, there'll probably be 25,000 out there today. It'll be a great atmosphere on going out there. It'll probably feel like, you know, 70% Parramatta. And that, that might be something that gets up supporters' noses. But again, 25,000 to a home game. Um, great stadium, great atmosphere. I'd be interested to know whether people would prefer this game to be at Leichhardt or Campbelltown, given it's smack bang, you know, right next to Parramatta Leeds Club, and they will enjoy the majority of the support. But, you know, we've talked about how it hasn't quite felt like home yet, but if we can assert ourselves with a big victory in Benji's 300th game, then it just goes that little bit further to establishing the ground with a little bit more connection with the West Tigers fans. Having a look back during the week uh, at some of the rugby league being played, the State of Origin decider, it was a, a gripping contest in the end, 26-20 New South Wales over Queensland, a try in the final 30 seconds. You don't often see that in origin. Queensland have done it to New South Wales so many times in the past. Great to see New South Wales produce a try of that quality under that pressure um, because it would have easily be easy to shut up shop at 20-all, play for golden point. Queensland had the momentum, but... They used their strike players, Pierce, Travojevic, Ferguson, Tedesco, combining for an outstanding try. I thought they deserved to win the game. At 20-8, to 8, I thought they were going to go away from it. Credit to Queensland for hanging in. Refereeing was a bit bizarre. It was refereed a bit more like a club game this origin. I think there were 11 penalties in the first 30 minutes. I think Brad Fittler deserves credit. He made a lot of changes. I, I doubted a lot of those changes, but many of them came off. Uh, Jack Whiten was excellent in the centres. Blake Ferguson was excellent on the wing. Obviously, James Maloney had a big impact in the series. The likes of Wade Graham. All these guys came in and made a difference. And um, probably the opposite for Kevin Walters. I, I think whilst it was no disgrace going down by one point in Sydney and the decider, having lost two series in a row, and just the way he's behaved this year, I think he's been a bit out of character. I'd be surprised if he holds on to that job at Queensland. I think he'll either try and get an NRL head coaching job or they may move him on. And then the rest of NRL's round 17, there's been uh, five games played so far. Uh, started off on Friday night, Penrith, comprehensive victory over the Gold Coast Titans. I think uh, as much as we don't like Penrith, we've got to give them credit. Six-game winning streak, not easy to do in the NRL. Some of those wins have been scruffy, dirty, lucky, you could say wins. But this one was comprehensive, and they're playing themselves into some good form. You know, at a time of the year when other teams are slipping and sliding, they're building momentum. And I think they're a good chance of making the top eight, looking at their draw the next few weeks. They've got Dragons at home, and they've got Canberra at home. Uh, I think they're going to be a factor at Penrith. I don't think they can win the competition, but I think they're building nicely. Gold Coast are a disaster this year. I think Garth Brennan's a dead man walking there. Uh, not going to single out all their problems on that head coach because they've been a club, you know, sad to say, a bit like us. They've just been down in the doldrums for so long and probably... To our credit, we're probably overachieving a little bit and sometimes running ninth with squads that are, you know, average at best at paper, whereas Gold Coast have had some talent and just producing some awful results. And um, I think they're going to get the wooden spoon this year, the Titans. Uh, Bulldogs 20, Knights 14. It's a good game of football, this. Uh, Canterbury playing a lot of high energy, as they always do. 
and getting some results. Now beating the Sharks and the Knights two weeks in a row. Dean pays coaching for his future. Um, the team's added, you know, some pieces this year. Dallin Wittenny's a Lesniak's there. Um, some of those forwards are starting to play a little bit better. Jack Cogger was good against his old side. So was Nick Meaney against his old side. So costly loss for Newcastle. Two big losses to the Warriors and Bulldogs at home. If they had won those two games, they would have been 10 and 6 and certainly to make the 8. Now they're under pressure. They've got to go and play the Roosters next week, staring at three losses in a row. Uh, you could tell Nathan Brown was, was simmering after that loss. In, in a game they really threw away, 8-0 up, they were controlling the game. Intercept try, then a sin bidding. Uh, all of a sudden the game was over. South 21, Manly 20, another good game of football. South needed a win just to steady the ship. They'd had five straight losses. Uh, I think they're going to be a top three side, but again, uh, once you have those many losses, confidence starts to come into it. Manly played well again without Tom Travojevic. Bunk controversy in this game again. Seems like the bunk has lost, lost its way the last few weeks. I think South and Manly will... We'll both make the eight. I think South will make the four. Manly will be round five. Broncos and Warriors, 16-all. Entertaining game. And it probably shows you exactly where both clubs are at. Um, just couldn't win it. Couldn't ice it either team. Warriors had a number of chances to win it. Broncos had a few chances. Lots of errors. Entertaining. But, um, again, shows you why I think both these teams, despite having good rosters, will miss out on the eight this year because there's just no consistency in their football and they're both sitting at six and nine, and a draw is the last result. I think they would have asked, you know, well, if we could keep playing, I think they would have copped a loss to try and get a win. A draw does nothing for both those teams on the competition ladder. Storm 40, Shark 16. Dominant, dominant Melbourne. No one's really talking about them, but Cam Smith's 400. They win those milestone games most of the time. Huge crowd, big occasion. They were far too good for the Sharks, who are in quicksand at the moment, Cronulla. Lots of injuries, some close losses. Those things can mount up, and um, again, they've got to go to the Warriors on Friday night. Huge game. They've now dropped four in a row. Uh, John Morris, I think he's done a reasonable job as a rookie coach, but he looks a bit hot under the collar at the moment. It reminds me a little bit of Trent Barrett, of someone who's quite intense, really wants it and to be a career coach, but you've got to be careful. He's, he's had a few goes at senior players and that this year, and that can easily just sort of get you offside. So Cronulla aside on the way down in trouble at the moment. Uh, and, of course, our game today, huge game. I've already mentioned it at Bankwest Stadium. Uh, my prediction for the game, I'm going to predict the Tigers win. Not with a huge amount of confidence, but I think a couple of factors. We've got Benji's 300th. We've got the fact that we can jump into the eight with a win. And we've also got the added motivation of having been beaten by 50 points by Parramatta at the same place earlier in the year to go back there and try and cause an upset. I'm going to go 2018 uh, West Tigers, and I'll be back later in the week uh, with a recap of this game, hopefully a victory. Thanks for listening, guys.